Sometimes I think we look at some of the traditions of Christmas and we're like, oh, decorations and all these lights and, and the Santa and elves and so forth and so on. And listen, if your little kids want to make a gingerbread house, please go make a gingerbread house, all right? If they want to write a letter to Santa, that's on them. Let them go for it. Uh, enjoy this time. We know the reason for this season, and I'm sure you're teaching your kids that. But in, enjoy. You know, I, I remember um, I may have written a note or something to Santa. I don't know. Today they email. Did you know that? They email the North Pole. It's a lot quicker, I guess. Um, but I, I've got a couple emails that I found from some kids. Nobody here, but I found from some kids. I'm going to put them up on the screen. And, and I just thought they were hilarious. I wanted to share them with you. A little seven-year-old, uh, John, wrote this. I'm sorry, but I don't have a chimney. I'll leave the cat flap unlocked for you. But please watch out for the litter box. That is great advice for anybody, by the way. Christian age eight said this, mommy and daddy say I've not been very good these past few days. How bad can I be before I lose my presence? Oh, smart kid. Bruce, not Bruce Muller, uh, although I wouldn't put this one by Bruce. Bruce age seven said this, I'm sorry for putting all that X-lax in your milk last year, <laughs> but I wasn't sure if you were real. My dad was really mad. <laughs> oh, Bruce. Kayla, age eight, wrote this, please don't bring me any new clothes. Oh, yeah. You know, I, we, I know the reason for the season, and you do as well. And so I, I don't get overly concerned at things like this. I just smile and laugh and just think, boy, God is good. I'm so thankful for this. But even a little girl by the name of Roseanne, age 11, wrote this. She said, dear Santa, you do know Jesus is the real reason for the season, right? Not to be mean, but he is. See, even Roseanne got it right, and she knew, but she had to make sure she told Santa that Jesus is the reason for the season. So like I said, you know, I, I look at these things and, and smile and laugh. And, and, and actually, when I looked at these emails, they almost look like prayers to God. Now, now. Check these out. I'm going I'm to redo the emails, but I'm going to make them prayers and see if you can see the similarity. Hey, God, before you come into my life, be aware of a few messy things. God, where do you draw the line in being a Christian? I mean, how bad can I be before I'm in trouble with you? Right? Or, hey, God, I'm coming to you to seek forgiveness. That was the X-Lax one right there, okay? God, give me what I want. Not what I need. Don't those sound like prayers when these kids are making those requests? See, we've been preparing for Christmas here at True North, and we've been going through a sermon series called It's a Wonderful Life, and uh, it's been enjoyable. And, and, and here's the thing, though. I'm going to put a pause on that sermon series this week because I want to do more of the Christmas story. And uh, we'll come back to it next week because here's the thing. I cannot preach on, if you know where we're at in the fruits of the Spirit, I cannot preach on self-control the week before gingerbread cookies and peanut butter pie. And I would be such a hypocrite, so I'll preach on it afterwards. It'll be a, it'll be a sermon of confession is what it's going to be. Okay? Um, but we're going to focus on the Christmas story. And I was thinking about this after 30 years of doing ministry, um, 30 years of sermons and messages and, and, and stories and Less, you know, things I get there, it's like, how can I come up with a new way to present this? It's just one story, right? But every year I got to come a new angle. 
different different way. You know, what did the what are the characters like, and which character are you? And and, and even the old thing of um, I, I'm into the, like the, the facts sometimes, like how far did they have to travel, and I wonder how cold it was for the shepherds, and and what did the manger scene actually look like? And you know, those were all fun and good, but maybe we should just just go right to the Bible. And just let's read through the story today. And when we get done reading the story, I'm going to ask one question. We're going to attempt to answer that question. So let's, let's forget the angles. Let's just go to the Word. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to have to open them up because I'm not putting them on, on the screen today. It's a long passage. We'll be going to three different passages. And in these three passages, I'll read and you follow along in your Bible. We've got more Bibles in the back, back by the blessings box. If anybody needs one, we can bring one to you. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. I'll give you a second to turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. <clears throat> in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant and everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Starting in verse 18, the story continues. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
back to the book of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 4. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel is joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, in heaven, and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to, tell, to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and had seen. It was just as the angel told them. And that's the Christmas story. Instead of, again, viewing from the eyes of the character, giving all the facts and, and different angles, how about just one simple question after reading that story? How about the question, why? Why? Why did Jesus come into this world the way he did? Not just the way he did. Why did he even come into this world? If, I mean, if you, if you have it all, if you are God and you don't depend on anything or anybody, if everything exists because of you and everything is at your hands, what do you have to gain by coming here? Really, what are you going to add to your existence by coming to this planet? I mean, this is God we're talking about, creator of all things. He created the universe. He had the blueprint for the layout of earth, right? He, he's the one who made the blueprint. And so he can see very well what was going to happen with that blueprint. He saw how somebody was going to spill stuff all over and it was going to get messy. He saw how things would be ripped and torn apart, relationships. He saw... The danger. And yet, he came. Why? I mean, church, really, why? And you need to be able to answer this question. 
Because any conversation you have with anybody these days, they want to know, why are you a Christian? You celebrate Christmas. Jesus coming to earth. Why did he come here? Who is this guy that you talk about that came as a baby, right? We need to be able to answer this question. And I was listening um, recently to another pastor by the name of Chip Ingram. I enjoy listening to different podcasts. And he brought up Colossians chapter 1. And and so I'm reading through this and I'm going, wow, this actually helps answer the question that I'm posing. And so listening to that and reading through Colossians 1, I found some answers to that question. Why did Jesus come here? He came here to bring us a hope that would not disappoint. He is our eternal hope. And there's, there's various meanings of hope. We, we talk about hope all the time. I hope it snows at Christmas. I really do. I'm hoping for that. But then there's also a biblical hope that's based on absolute truth. A hope like that Jesus will return again. A hope in the heavenly realms. These are absolute truths that I believe, and I, and I hope for those, right? Our hope is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about the life of Jesus. God came here, fully man, fully divine, stepped onto this planet. A sinless life, yet revealing a holy heavenly Father. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you want to know what the Father looks like? Look at me. Scripture tells us that he he taught people, he fed people, he healed people, he touched the untouchable, he freed those that were enslaved. He fulfilled over 700 Old Testament prophecies. Think about that. That's amazing. That's incredible. And then he died on the cross. He took the sacrifice and said, you sinful people can't make the sacrifice, but a sinless God, a holy God can make the sacrifice. So he made the sacrifice we couldn't. And he was buried. But then he was resurrected from the dead. Hundreds of eyewitness accounts testified to the fact they saw him alive and they actually saw him ascend into heaven. And they wrote about it and they shared with one another. The beauty of this is he said, oh, and by the way, I'm coming back. Oh, and by the way, I'll never leave you. These are my promises. I will give you my very own spirit. So I'm leaving. My spirit's coming. And his Holy Spirit now comes upon us. And when we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us. And he gives us grace, giving us what we do not deserve. And he gives us mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. And then he says, and I'm giving you my Holy Spirit to enter into you. I am invading your life with my presence, my nature, my character. And he reproduces himself in us through the Spirit of God. At that which we've been talking about, like the fruits of the Spirit, right? That process, that big word we use, sanctification, where God is continually growing and moving through us. So we pursue God, led By his spirit, we experience, as we've been talking about, this wonderful life as Christians. Nothing to frown about, Christians, but something to celebrate and be excited about. Our hope is in the one who saves us and transforms us. That is Jesus Christ. And of all the things I could want underneath the Christmas tree, I only need one. And that is Jesus.
hope. I need an eternal hope for Christmas. Don't we all? Uh, Amid the um, dozens of funerals that I have attended and officiated over the past two years, I would say this, with every funeral I've been at, we all need hope, eternal hope. That hope that someday I'll see my father and I'll see my brother in heaven. That day when you too will see your loved one, your siblings that you've lost, your parents that have passed away. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost somebody super close to you. That's why you have eternal hope. You will one day see them. That's what we need underneath the tree. And that is what he gives us. Christmas reminds us of eternal hope. Such a great gift, isn't it? We have had our bad days, haven't we, church? We've had struggling moments. Our emotions are raw at times. We, we come in here, oh, how are you? Merry Christmas. And inside, we're like, I'm, I wasn't merry out in the parking lot, <laughs> right? I wasn't merry at home this morning. Yesterday was rough. But we come here and we put on the show. We put on a smile because we know why we're coming here, to worship God. And we want to bring him our best. But with that best, we also have a lot of other things that we bring with us. And that's okay. Because our hope It's in that baby Jesus. Our hope is not in money. Money can easily be lost, taken away, stolen from us, and spent and gone. Our hope is not in things that will corrode uh, and just fade away and get lost. Our hope is not in people. People disappoint. Sorry. Don't put your hope in me. I'll probably let you down at some point in time. Our, Our hope is not in positions. I'm the starter on the team. Yeah, but you might get benched next week. Hey, I just got a new job. I got a new position. But you might get fired next week. Our hope is not in all these things. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. I, I tell you, there was a songwriter over 100 years ago. He wrote this beautiful song, and he nailed it. In the midst of his song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, he said this, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, it was on the night Jesus was born. All of our fears, all of our disappointments, all of our problems were met in the hope of eternity. It's a beautiful song. That songwriter knew it. Over 2,000 years ago, God left heaven to give us hope. I want you to reflect on that moment. The rescuing of mankind. Think about this. He did not send in the Navy SEALs mission. He did not send in a SWAT team. It wasn't the A-team. It wasn't Rambo. It wasn't an Avenger. Sorry. It wasn't even Spider-Man. Okay. He sent in a baby armed with a diaper. And then I'm not trying to make light of that and I'm not making a joke of it, but that's truth. That is truth. It was a baby in swaddling cloth, a diaper. Doesn't that, it's, it's so hard. It's like, but that's the God of the universe. It is. Divine and human. That's God's rescue plan. 
If you look at the scripture on the screen, Colossians 1, 13 to 14, it says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You see, in that little swaddling cloth, that little baby was wrapped all power, all knowledge, all love, all justice, all holiness. What an amazing rescue mission. He came to rescue us. He came to give us hope. So that, rewind six, seven weeks, we could bear fruit. Paul says, what, the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all those things, self-control we're getting to, faithfulness we'll get to. Those things are produced in us. And I love this. He also wrote this in Colossians chapter 1. Look at this, verse 6. Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 says, This same good news came to you, is going out all over the world. Here it is. It's bearing fruit everywhere, changing lives. It's not just at one church. It's multiple churches. It's people who maybe haven't even been in a church lately, but they're growing spiritually, right? It just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understand the truth about God's wonderful what? Grace. He goes on to say, verse 9 of Colossians 1, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now look at verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow and learn to know God better and better. God rescues us. He gives us an eternal hope. And then he starts producing good fruit in us. Listen, you know, he left heaven to do all of that. And when I asked you, hey, read the Advent book. Hey, let's read the book of Luke together, church. Here's the thing. I was not saying, good, that will get you into heaven. Okay, that makes you a better Christian. I'm giving you tools and opportunity to grow in your faith. Because I want to see good fruit in each and every one of you as well as myself. When I encourage you every Sunday, hey, go be the church. I'm not saying, here's a good idea. This will get you into heaven. This will make you the best Christian on the block in your neighborhood. It's encouragement from me, from God's word, to you to go and grow. To know God more. We are rescued. Free from sin. Free from shame. For that, we should rejoice. Amen? And we know why he came. We know why we came. I just told you why he came. I gave you three reasons why he came. Ancient Israel, they waited a long time for the expected Messiah. One who's going to rescue them by establishing a new kingdom on earth. Prophets spoke divinely and preparing the way. In 2 Samuel, we learned that he was going to come from the line of David. Isaiah told us he was going to be born of a virgin. Micah said he'll be coming from the city of Bethlehem. All these prophets penning out when the things were going to happen. And they waited for salvation, and for hope, and for new life. And it came. That night, the birth of Jesus, we were rescued. We were given hope and eternal hope. And now we can bear fruit. When people look at you, church, they should see Jesus. Because that fruit is growing in you.
The gift has been given. Now, here's the thing. God did the hardest part. He really did. I mean, he paid the greatest price. He left heaven. He left heaven and walked down here amidst the sinful, enduring shame and pain on the cross. And we've been given a free gift. It's free. You know, when the kids are done at church today, they're going to go up there and there's, there's not going to be any, we're not going to put the blessings box up there and say, put something in the blessing box, then you may have a gift. Okay? We're not going to have some adults or we're not going to have any senior hires. <clears throat> we're not going to have any senior hires standing up there. Hey, I need a dollar before I can give you a bag. Don't be trying to resell these kids. Okay? They're free. They're free. Just like salvation. We've been given a free gift. Do we need it? Yes. Absolutely. God loves us. God wants to save us. We have to admit that need. So church, this morning, we're going to, we still got a few minutes left in the sermon, but we're going to stop just short here and pray. And then we'll get back and finish up the sermon. But I want us to take time and confess. Because here's the thing. David even said this. He goes, oh Lord, you know everything about me. And then he prayed this. He said, search my heart, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So this morning, we're going we're to pause. Somebody says, this church, you don't do altar calls, do you? And I said, well, I, every week I invite you um, to know the Lord. But we're going to pause in the middle today for an altar call. Now, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. If you want to come forward afterwards, come forward. Okay? But I want to make sure everybody in this room understands that God loves you. And that you have the opportunity today to receive that free gift. So would you bow your heads with me, please, and close your eyes? Because this morning you might be in here. Maybe you've never prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sins. Maybe, maybe you know, it's like, you know, I've got a lot going on in my life. And I'm just not, I'm just, I don't know about this God thing. I hear about it all the time. But maybe today, today's a good day to say, you know what? I need to surrender. He came here for me to rescue me from my sins, from the shame of my guilt that I feel when I mess up. Today would be a great day to seek forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, search our hearts. We confess our sins to you right now, right where we're sitting, God. We, we know we fall short. We know we make mistakes. We know we've hurt people. We know we're doing things that are hurting ourselves. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for being rebellious. Forgive us, God. Come into our lives. God, I ask that your spirit come into my life. I'm confessing right now with my mouth my sins. And I'm placing my faith in you, God, and in your son, Jesus Christ. God, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Lord, bear fruit in me. Help me to be more loving and kind. Help me to be full of joy and peace. Help me to to show the goodness and the gentleness and the faithfulness and the self-control. Lord, work through me. Take my life. Let it be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed a prayer like that, or make it your own words, first of all. 
But I want to make sure you know who Jesus is and you have that opportunity to receive that gift. Because I want to worship with you in heaven. Don't get me wrong. I love coming here every Sunday and worshiping with you. But I want to be with you in another really big choir as we all worship together. And people that we miss, we will all worship together. And I want you there with me. I'm sort of selfish like that. Well, while we're waiting, because here's the thing. We waited for Jesus to come. He came. Now we got to wait for his second return. So while we're waiting, here's, here's my advice as we wrap this up. I just want to invite you to celebrate. Be a little more joyful this Christmas. It's Christmas. It's not, we should, we should, we should celebrate. Maybe we should consider celebrating. No, we must. M-U-S-T must celebrate. Despite the over-commercialization, it's like, oh, it's so commercialized and this. It's like, I know, we know. Well, don't let that keep you from celebrating. Despite family losses, I get it. Bad memories. Every Hallmark movie is built around, well, it was at Christmas when she dumped me. I just don't like Christmas anyway. That's all the Hallmark. Okay, I get it. Okay, we've all had bad experiences around Christmas. I, I get it. I'll never forget when, when Hollis Reeker passed away in that accident. I'll never forget that night. It's Christmas Eve. We're coming home from our family, and, and the, and the uh, um, scanner went off, and it was like there was an accident, and, and it's like, oh, and, and it's, what, what a horrible thing. And then we got the phone call for, for the Mueller family and the Reeker family and, and went to the hospital. And it was like, what a horrible thing, right? We've all had experiences that, that sit there and scar these, these holidays we have. But here's the thing. That's why Jesus came. To give all of us an eternal hope. That amidst those moments when it's like, I don't want to think about that moment. I know you don't. That's why Jesus came to help you through that moment. You may not get over it, but you will get through it. You will get through it. So we celebrate because salvation has come. It's just like the song, Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Whether we like it or not, Jesus came, right? The earth has received her king already. So why not start bowing, church, right? Whether you like it or not, he came. He's here. And our response should be, let every heart prepare him room. So today, that's part of why we prayed. I want us to start preparing him room. I saw this little comic of the family circus. I guess Dottie's at the little girl, right? And, and she was so concerned. She's like, Mommy, Mommy. She went over the nativity scene. Jesus isn't in the manger. We forgot to get him out of the drawer. <laughs> I was thinking, oh. But she nailed it, right? It's like some of us, we forgot to bring Jesus out. We left him tucked away somewhere. And uh, this is time when we really celebrate the presence of Jesus. With God's forgiveness and with his Holy Spirit working in us, as the song will continue, no more let sins and sorrows grow. Hey, Jesus is the ultimate weed puller. Let him pull out those thorns that infest the ground as the song goes, right? Join with the angels in heaven, church. Worship team, would, would you please come forward? I was thinking about this. When our world sort of feels out of control, he isn't. The song says what? The Savior reigns. He is in control. And when I'm feeling out of control, when this world feels out of control, when I turn on the news, I think Jesus is whispering in my ears, turn off the news. <laughs> I've got this, right? And it's so hard because I want to know what's going on. But Jesus is like, I've got it going on, so just turn it off, all right? The angels appear to mankind and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's got this. God's got this. So church, with every decoration, with every present, 
with every tree you see, every light that is lit up, go ahead, celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Christmas. Let it remind you that our eternal hope has come. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to guard against one thing. Don't isolate yourself. Because it's very easy, and I want to call it a pity party. I don't want to call it that. But it's very easy for us in the holiday season to say, I think I'm the only one experiencing this. Nobody knows how I feel right now. Let me help you with this right now. If in the last year, year and a half, you lost somebody close to you, a family member, a close friend, a good buddy, they passed away this past year, year and a half. Would you please raise your hand nice and high? Please raise it up. Would you please look around? Almost the majority here, you know. Now, if I went on with that and said, maybe you had a relationship disappointment. Maybe you had a financial struggle. Maybe you had sickness and injury. Maybe you had something that popped up. It's like, I didn't see that coming. I must be the only one. If I went through all those scenarios, you guys would get your morning workout and you wouldn't have to do any aerobics today because we would all be raising our hands left after right saying, and that would, all I would say is this, please look around. You're not alone. But what we do is we isolate ourselves at Christmas and say, I'm the only one. You know what happens? That's how the enemy wins. The enemy knows if he can separate soldiers, they can't fight. But when as a battle gets tough, you need to be side by side with your Christian brothers and sisters. And then this, oh, I'm the only one. You're not the only one. Do not let the devil isolate you. Do not listen to those lies. Stand strong with your Christian brothers and sisters. Pray for one another and realize you're not alone. And this is why Jesus came. To rescue us, to give us eternal hope, and to then grow within us and help us live a fruitful life. This is Christmas. Let us rejoice. Amen. Would you please stand? I believe God is good. He is good all the time. So to God be all the glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, that we could celebrate Christmas today here. And and Lord, I know we've got a few more days till it comes, but we're going to keep celebrating because eternal hope has come. The King has arrived. And God, we get to worship you now. Someday we get to worship you again. But until that day comes, Lord, let us live out this eternal hope. We are not alone. We are surrounded by our brothers and sisters. We are, Lord, invaded by your spirit in our soul. We are not alone. We have eternal hope. Let us celebrate that. We love you, Lord. In our name we pray. Amen.